Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What is different about the physical web is uh, it brings physical interactions into the world of search and browsers. If the physical web moves to Omnibox, it would be front and center, uh, and it would create a, a you know a fascinating dynamic in that now uh, property rights translate directly into digital marketing rights. You sit down, and within 30 seconds of sitting down, the barista came, came out to us and said, why is this URL popped up on my phone? It's for the good traveler. Is this something to do with you? And I was just completely bowled over. And that was the end of the conversation about whether we should deploy the beacon. Right, it's right. like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, we've done an awful lot on uh, making beacons simple to deploy. Uh, you can take a thousand of our beacons, randomly mail them out any place. Uh, you can do 100% of a deployment of our product uh, without handling the beacons themselves. Uh, to having a live app in the App Store with three days, you know, from the time the ballpark gave us the bill I had to go do it, yeah, the branded app. You're listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Ecosystem with Steve Stadler. Welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beco System, the podcast for location-aware solution designers and entrepreneurs. This week, we are in Nashville, Tennessee, the capital of music. Is that the tagline? Music City, USA. Music City, USA. Yeah. So I'm here with Richard Graves, who is the founder and CEO of Beacon, who are a pioneering company in the physical web. If you have ever watched any of the Google videos on the physical web, Sometimes they use a beacon to illustrate what they're doing, and quite often it's a, it's a beacon, beacon, spelled B-K-O-N, right? So, Richard, thanks very much for uh, coming and, uh, and seeing me as I was uh, in town. I um, was here for a conference, and I just couldn't resist uh, looking you up and uh, chatting with you. Steve, uh, thank you. I appreciate uh, the invite. Yeah, and we've, we've done a little bit of work together. Over, I mean, you, you provided some great input as I was writing the book. Hey, I just got to mention something. Um, there's going to be a hissing sound in the background of this interview. It sounds a bit like a waterfall. Uh, and, and that's because there is a waterfall, a really huge one outside the window of the room where Richard and I are talking. So try to ignore it. Don't adjust your headset. It, it's a waterfall. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beaker System, Beacon Technologies book. And, and since then, we've worked on a couple of projects. So maybe we'll talk about that. But 
things I'd like to cover in this conversation are you've got some new news coming out, and so we're going to embargo this until we can talk about it, talk about your product. Before we get there, let's just talk about physical web. Most people who watch the podcast know what the physical web is, but we'll kind of do a really fast intro. But what I really want to get in with, into with you is what you have learned about the physical web in terms of what it takes to deploy a solution um, and make it work and, and where we are and where you think we're likely to go. So, so I think everyone should be interested in, in, in that. Before we get into that, let's just introduce Beacon and can you tell us, give us kind of the elevator pitch on your company? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, Beacon was founded in uh, you know, late 2013, so we've been in the Beacon business uh, you know, since its inception. Uh, we entered when Apple adopted Bluetooth Low Energy, uh, becoming the first cross-platform Beacon technology. We understood then that uh, there were going to be uh, uh, hundreds of applications that, uh, you know, that came out of the technology. Uh, you know, our original business plan was very similar to what the physical web is today. You know, we envisioned a future, uh, a range of applications that uh, fall out of people being able to interact with things in, in their near environment. Uh, we support iBeacon, you know, did support it, uh, you know, when it came out. But uh, we never uh, put our full backing behind it because we always felt like that uh, it was not a technology that could scale could scale in the sense that it always had guardrails, uh, beacons are tied to apps, and every time you go do a new client, it's you know almost like an agency. You're working with them to create a, a one-off application. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted something that was more open, uh, more universal, that could scale globally with speed, uh, so we sort of held back from uh, you know, putting too much effort into iBeacon applications. Uh, Saw the physical web uh, early concepts come to market in uh, you know, late 2014, and since then have put 100% of our effort into supporting the, the, the physical web. So we've been uh, you know early adopters uh, and have had a very large uh, R&D team uh, working full time for you know two and a half years now on, on physical web technology. How many people in the company? Uh, we have 16 employees, about half of those uh, being developers. Cool. And you're self-funded? Are you, are you? Self-funded and angel investors. Angel investors. Seed angel investors. Yes. Okay. Um, and um, in terms of you know, how, if I'm going to categorize what you do, you produce hardware, so there's right. a, and you have an orchestration layer. And I normally think about orchestration layers as the kind of the campaign management and making sense of the chaos of lots of beacons um, in the iBeacon context, but obviously you have really, I think one of the things I, I want to peel uh, and look into is answer, okay, given what iBeacon, uh, given what Eddystone URL is and the physical web is, which is broadcasting URLs, what's there to do? So we'll go into that, but you basically have that middleware component and you provide a little bit of analytics as well. Is that well, fair to say? For the physical web, we're a complete end-to-end solution. Okay. So we make hardware. Yeah. Uh, we make software to manage deployment of beacons. You know, we show battery state. We keep up with where they fleet are. Management. We show yes. know, fleet management kind, yeah. kind of software. Uh, we have content management. Yeah. You can build uh, you know, web pages on our platform. 
we have metadata management. So the physical web is all is is a search technology. So you're surfacing a search result. So we independently manage the metadata, which are the incentives for people to click through to the uh, the underlying websites. Uh, and we have you know what I would call a full uh, content switch. So we can dynamically control what content appears when people uh, select a physical web beacon. So we have you know everything end to end. Uh, it's a global platform. Uh, you know we have customers now in about 40 countries, uh, designed to be uh, enterprise scale uh, and you know manage privacy, security, you know anything a Fortune 500 company uh, would want, you know for a global deployment of this technology. And can you talk a bit more about your customers? We're not going to go into the, the weeds in terms of your product yet, but it would be great to get a sense of who's using the physical web from your perspective as one of the the major players providing solutions for it? You know, there's there's two flavors of, of the physical web out there. There is the, uh, you know, the original classic, uh, you know, open source version of the physical web, which uh, relies upon uh, major browsers like Chrome to surface the physical web content. Uh, there are thousands of people that have, you know, tried that out on our platform, and I'm sure thousands of people that have tried out, you know, Eddystone URL physical web beacons on other platforms. Uh, to date, uh, it does not have wide adoption. Uh, anybody that says it does uh, wouldn't be, uh, you know, accurately reflecting the, the, the state of it. Uh, you know, it doesn't have adoption because uh, there is not consumer awareness. You, know, you can put an Eddystone beacon out there, and it will... You know, broadcast content that is visible uh, in Chrome and other physical web browsers, but there is very low consumer awareness. Uh, and you know, the evolution of the industry has been an evolution of primarily Google. You know, trying to understand where consumers will interact with, with physical web beacons. So they initially tried it out in Chrome under notifications. Mm-hmm. You know, they then moved it to uh, you know. Chrome and Android, but then they moved it out of Chrome into nearby notifications, moved it back into Chrome, uh, and now are considering moving it to Chrome, but in a different place. You know, in, rather than in notifications, they're going to move it into Omnibox. Now I say going to, uh, you know, let me say that with, with, with a caveat. Uh, it works that way on my phone uh, right now, uh, in that if I Touch the search box. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and that's what Omnibox is. It's the search, box. Omnibox is the search box. Omnibox is the search box. the search box on Google. If I touch it, uh, because I have the beta version of Chrome Live on my phone, if I touch it, I will immediately see nearby physical web beacons. Yes. Uh, so there you have captured my attention in, in, a, in a moment of intent. I'm looking at the screen. I'm looking at where my finger is. Immediately under my finger, I see the physical web beacons. Uh, you know, it's set up so that it's not disruptive to the normal search process. If I want, if that content serves my needs, I can select it and go to it, the physical web content. If not, I continue my search uninterrupted. That's not the way Chrome works. Uh, that's the way I believe it will work in the, in the next release. Okay, and so you see it works that way on your phone. Why does it work? That implies it doesn't work that way on other people's that's phones. That's correct. It does not work that way on other people's phones. You know, Google is, is a fairly open company. Yeah. You can go online and, you know, read about the developments going on in Chrome. So we've been following the active development of Google trialing the physical web as it relates to Omnibox. Uh, it moved uh, several weeks ago into beta. When it moves into beta, it's a really on everybody's phone, 
you just have to turn on the beta flag. Right. So I, you know, went into Micron, turned on the beta flag, and could start using uh, Google's Omnibox, uh, you know, iteration. And how do you turn it on, just if other people want to do that? You type in uh, uh, Chrome colon slash slash flags. Right. Uh, and hit enter. And uh, with that, it'll come up with a couple of different flags, one of them being the physical web, and if you turn it on. You'll get a little warning that it's, uh, you know, it's beta code. It's not not necessarily yet ready for prime time. No guarantees associated with it. And you can turn it on, and you will, when you search, immediately see nearby physical web beacons. You know, my belief is, and, and, and obviously I don't control Google and don't have an inside track, uh, you know, on what they're doing. But I believe this will go live in the next release of Chrome. Uh, Chrome has a new release every six weeks. It's common for stuff in beta. Uh, to go live, so I believe with I'd give it 70% odds that it'll go live by March 15th I'd give it 25% odds that it would go live uh, six weeks after that, uh, and 5% that they won't go forward uh, with this particular iteration of the physical app and so the, the, we're talking about the Omnibox which has to be one of the most if not the most valuable piece of real estate on anyone's phone uh, I, mean, I can't think of anything that's more valuable than the search box. Right. You know, the physical web right now uh, surfaces in notifications. Uh, it's a place that it's not necessarily easily seen. Yeah. You know, when you ask about customers, there are a minority of customers out there that get enough traffic through notifications to be happy with their physical web. Deployments. Oh, really? There are customers out there that are satisfied with the, the amount of traffic they get surfaced through that. But uh, if the physical web moves to Omnibox... It would be front and center, uh, and it would create a, a you know a fascinating dynamic in that now uh, property rights translate directly into digital marketing rights. You know nobody can come in your store and put a beacon in there. You know only you have the right to put a beacon in there. Yeah. So if it's your beacon uh, and you control the content, you control the first content people see. You know upon a search. So I'm in a grocery store and I'm searching for recipes and I happen to be in the soup section and I go into the Omnibox and then potentially I could have a Heinz uh, or, or, or some other supermarket uh, negotiated site that pops up in the Omnibox when I start. What you would see in the search is that you would see the title yeah. of the destination website and it could say... You know, tap here for the recipe of the day. Uh, and that may attract enough of the shopper's curiosity to tap. Uh, they like the recipe. They go buy the ingredients. Uh, so that could be huge. But that would only work with Chrome browsers, so right? Work you with Chrome? The Omnibox functionality is it's different on Google, on it's Safari. Different Google application, right. It, it would only work with Chrome. You know, my understanding is that there are about a, a billion Chrome users. Okay, so it's 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 a massive audience, even though it's not it's not a universal technology. Yeah. Of course, the physical web does still work with with other browsers, so there are other ways to get at the at the same technology. And you know, part of the you know alter ego of our company uh, is that we make any app compatible with the physical web. So if you want shoppers to be uh, in a store right. using your app, uh, then they can also uh, well, surface physical web. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second, but. Um, let's go back to how people use the physical web. And it's, so basically, the physical web is about discovery. It's kind of get rid of the QR code. Let's actually use radios to broadcast URLs. And therefore, 
you know, that, that should make engagement easier. And Scott That's Jensen correct. does a great job of ridiculing QR codes uh, with all sorts of jokes and just amazing presentations. Um, we, um, so you, you've been great. You've supported some pilots that, that, that I've um, kicked off. And one was at San Diego International Airport. It's just ramping up now. We put our first couple of beacons in. Uh, Ryan Brothers coffee stands in Terminal 1, Terminal 2, just before security. And actually, it was before we deployed them, I was introducing them to someone at the airport who I needed to convince that this was, you know, worth doing. And to be frank, he was pretty skeptical. It's like, you know, I was describing all the backward flips you had to do to see the physical web on an iOS device and you have to have Chrome installed and you have to enable it in the Today widget and no one really uses the Today widget. So anyway, I brought a couple of your beacons in, programmed to um, to broadcast, appointed to the Good Traveller, which was the project, um, carbon offsetting project I've been working on. Um, so we meet at Ryan Brothers Coffee, we sit down and within 30 seconds of sitting down, the barista Came, came out to us and said, why is this URL popped up on my phone? It's for the good traveler. Is this something to do with you? And I was just completely bowled over. And that was the end of the conversation about whether we should deploy the beacons. Right, it's right, like, right. oh, this is amazing. And so he had got it. There was kind of something that said nearby on his high-end. That's nearby notifications. Nearby notifications. Uh, means he had uh, an Android phone, and they will natively surface... Uh, uh, physical web content in nearby notifications. They surface it when the phone wakes. And so you don't force them. When you wake your phone, if you look at your notifications, yeah. physical web beacons will be uh, will, will be embedded in, in that list. Now that's you know that's a fairly recent thing that that Google has uh, got that fluid. Uh, they did it. Had some bugs. Moved it back to Chrome. Did it again. You know, had a few bugs which they worked through, and uh, you know, really only in our view, uh, you know, in the last you know thirty days that it started. Yeah, you know, it's like three weeks ago this happened. Right. But to me, that's really started great... working. Night. You know, in a nice way, and I think more people, more people are are are, are seeing uh, enough value and utility out of the physical web as it works today, right now. Uh, you know, to to get value. Now, you know, I, I can't mention their name because I don't, you know, I don't know that we're allowed to. But uh, uh, you know, we had a major European university that uh, has deployed, you know, fifty physical web beacons, and you know, they just signed up for a you know long term subscription to start managing dynamically managing the content. They're happy with them the way they work uh, today. Uh, you know, if Google starts surfacing that content through Omnibox, then, you know, they're going to be ecstatic because their audience is going to, you know, increase dramatically in size. Yeah. But I think that nearby use case is a great one because if you think about it, it's so often the case, you sit down, uh, you go through airport security, you unlock your phone, boom, that's when you want to kind of be aware of your context. You sit down at a cafe, you sit down in a lecture hall, and so, so even if we just stick with what we've got, it has uh, then I think it has value. Yeah, I would agree. Any other examples of where people are using the physical web? Because we've, you know, we've, those of us who've researched it, we've seen the parking meter example and uh, 
the uh, bubblegum vending machine, and those are all very cool. Are you seeing other examples of physical web controlling um, going beyond notifications to, to actually control devices, or is that kind of very futuristic? You know, I, I, I don't think it's futuristic at all. Uh, I think there is huge demand. Uh, we've worked on several projects uh, for controlling devices with uh, major category-leading brands uh, that are trying to drive experiences uh, with shoppers rather than just coupons and uh, advertisements. Uh, you know, experiences you know of the type that uh, a shopper may be in the aisle and interact with the brand and be dispensed a product sample. That's one I've come across separately as well. I'm sure it's not the same thing. Major consumer brand, they, uh, you know, it's sad, but it's replacing the the people that work giving out samples in, you know, Costco or, or whatever. That right. that works, but it's expensive. Uh, and I think this ability to have engagement and then provide a reward in an automated fashion that has legs. That and uh, you know. Controlling displays, you, know, you control the display on people's phone, but you can also control you know, displays in, in people's near environment. Uh, you know, so there's you know, a lot of products that uh, that uh, directional videos and you know live interaction uh, is uh, uh, valuable to promoting customer loyalty or selling the product. So we're, we're seeing a lot of people uh, doing that. We've developed a lot of applications, you know, worked through uh, these use cases, you know, technically, uh, you know, created prototypes with, with, with big brands, uh, and they've been waiting for the physical web to get a little bit more traction through Chrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even had uh, large brands that have made large beacon purchases that are still queued up to deploy, uh, waiting till the audience is, is, is big enough to justify it. So, uh, you know, as... Uh, nearby notifications smooths out, and as uh, the physical web comes to market through Omnibox or through some other uh, near derivative to that, because I, I'm fairly confident, or I'm very confident, that Google is working hard to put physical web content on the screen web where people will see it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't work out exactly as in Omnibox. I, I think it will, but I think it will be. Uh, month by month, uh, you know, better than it was before. And at some point, we're going to reach the tipping point where these large brands that have been developing some of these experiences start saying, you know, we're ready to start uh, deploying it. And with that, will come increased consumer awareness and uh, you know, a, a ramp to the technology. But if they release Omnibox here in, in, in a couple of weeks, I think it will happen with dramatic speed. I think there will be a uh, race because you'd be crazy not to have a physical web beacon in a retail store. Because the cost is so low. So the problem is, at the moment, the benefit is pretty low because the discover, it's a discoverability mechanism that's hard to discover. But that could change very, very quickly. Change overnight. Um, and the thing is, the cost is so low. So another example that we've worked on, San Diego Library, uh, they have an innovation lab where they offer free 3D printing. I've been printing a, a gizmo to attach beacons to pallets in a manufacturing environment. And I'm like, these guys have been really nice to me. What can I do to help? And I'm like, oh, I'll speak to Richard, see if I can give them one of his beacons. And so 
we did. And, you know, the process, it took 10 minutes to explain. It took two minutes to set the thing up with the URL of San Diego Central Library Innovation Lab. And now it broadcasts the, the web page that has the opening times and that sort of thing. It's yeah. so, so easy. Versus, you know, years and years, <laughs> or months and months, and hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of app development. Now, it's not going to change someone's life doing that, but it's that low cost, and we just need to kind of ratchet up the benefit. And uh, before we talk about your products, I do want to get on to what the new news is there and get into more detail about what you do. You know, what are your thoughts on iOS? Do we just sort of write it off, or is, is, are there enough Chrome um, and Opera browsers that support physical web on iOS to make this to allow us to answer that question because you know for, with iBeacon it was like oh well it works really well on Apple but it doesn't work very well on Chrome and now it's on Android now it's the opposite with with physical web do you th- is there any hope there or it's unlikely that Apple's going to jump on the Google bandwagon and support physical web within iOS we do know that there are browsers that support the physical web that do run on iOS. Do you have a sense of what the proportion is of iOS users who have physical web-aware browsers running on their phone? When we're talking to the marketing guy that says, what about the iOS market? Is there... You know, this is a wild guess on my part. I have looked yeah. it up, and I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I, I think it's probably in the order of magnitude of 10 or 15 percent. Okay. Uh, be, so it's not zero. It's, it's not something. Zero. Yeah. It, it, and there's certainly a way to get to it. Right. You know, uh, Omnibox could drive much faster adoption on, on, on iPhones simply because uh, if you have... 50% of the population, you know, here in the U.S., vastly more uh, overseas, uh, that suddenly say, I really like interacting with things around me. You know, the deals in the stores, the product interactions, the, uh, you know, the shortcuts, the informational content that I can get from these physical web beacons is of such value, I'm going to start using Chrome because it natively surfaces all this stuff. You know, if you have major adoption in, in the short term, and obviously that drives uh, the browser uh, suppliers true. to say, you know, we don't want to lose this audience. Okay. Uh, so good. I believe that rapid adoption will drive more adoption. Uh, and of course, you know, any app can support the physical web. I mean, I have an iOS device and probably have 10 different apps on my phone that support the physical web. Obviously, I'm a, not a normal iPhone user. So. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Okay, so let's let's talk about your offering. And um, I think people have got the sense that what you offer is the fleet management. And um, I mean, I, I've... Uh, programming beacons is pretty straightforward with apps that most vendors uh, supply. But what you allow is for someone to stay in their armchair or in their office and basically um, take the URLs that are being broadcast by by beacons that are in place and, and you enable a redirect process so that you can switch the content overnight and have have all sorts of things happen that, that, that makes management of those beacons um, in the physical web context a lot easier. Um, and the thing that I hadn't realized until I kind of revisited what you guys were doing was that you're also enabling apps. So can you tell me a bit more about how you uh, are merging physical web with the app space? So if I want an app and I don't want to spend $100,000 to develop it, how could you help? Well, there, you know, there are a lot of facets to this. You know, uh, you know, there are, and, and we've noticed three or four that are starting to come to market even in, in the last week or so. As the physical web starts gaining steam, you're seeing more redirect platforms out there. These are platforms uh, that enable you to, you know, embed a code, a shortened URL. You know, yeah. They're they're. Uh, you know, they're glorified domain name shorteners is what physical web platforms are that allow you to redirect, uh, you know, physical web content. Uh, and, you know, these platforms that are coming to market with, you know, redirect capabilities uh, are where we were, you know, we had a live physical web, you know, redirect platform in the spring of 20, 2015. Uh, so over two years, we've had you know, live redirect capabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, since that time, uh, you know, we really pushed the envelope of everything you could possibly do, you know, where the physical web can possibly go. You know, we filed uh, six rounds of IP, you know, over the last uh, two years and it really pushed the envelopes. And we did a lot of things that, you know, to my knowledge, no other physical web platform does. And many people told us was, you know, was technically, you know, impossible. You know, we're the only platform that, to my knowledge, shows battery state on physical web beacons without using any other ancillary frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the only one that supports, uh, you know, directly in a URL frame, anti-hijacking and anti-spoofing. So we can recognize copies of our beacons and, and, and not allow them to be uh, copied. So we have, uh, you know, uh, a rotating key embedded in the URL itself uh, you know, that, that's synchronized uh, you know, with a, a platform. Uh, we've done an awful lot on uh, making beacons simple to deploy. Uh, you can take a thousand of our beacons, randomly mail them out any place. Uh, you can do 100% of a deployment of our product uh, without handling the beacons themselves. You know, you know, nobody has to go pair with uh, the beacon. They're all pre-programmed with a, uh, a 
physical ID that uh, identifies the location from the instant they're uh, installed. Uh, you know, we can manage range control uh, from the cloud uh, only in apps, but uh, you know, a lot of our usage is in apps. Uh, so we can change range uh, from the platform without ever interacting with beacons. So our beacons are even shipped in a non-connectable state. You don't ever pair with them. You don't connect with them. Mm -hmm. uh, you manage everything uh, mm -hmm. from the cloud. Uh, we definitely manage more context. Uh, so when a beacon uh, broadcast, we allow you to uh, attach and embed uh, a whole range of contextual variables to track that beacon's location, uh, you know, where the interaction occurred, you know, attach campaign variables to it, uh, etc. Uh, we allow beacons to be managed in massive groups. So you know, ours is the only platform in my knowledge that you can take uh, a million beacons, put them in a folder, manage them from a content perspective, you know, as a single beacon, but still track track each interaction. And I've noticed that. So even with the airport where we're looking at, you know, maybe um, um, 16 beacons, even with 16 beacons, it, it's useful to have some of those features to, right. um, so you're not having to type in the same message 16 times because you make mistakes when you do that. Right. So it's all of that stuff. So I think you've done a great job of pointing out some of the uniques and I'm glad that you did that. But but tell me a bit about how I can use your platform to create an app. Well, uh, we have a uh, what we call a, a physical SDK. We initially called it a, a, a physical web SDK uh, because we ported all the functionality of physical web into an app. So we encapsulated the, the uh, characteristics of a physical web browser into an SDK. So, you know, like any SDK, you know, eight or ten lines of code and you connect it in, you can immediately scan for physical web beacons in an app. So, you know, we did that initially because of the uh, slowness of development of the physical web. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, at large, uh, and we recognize that Within an app, you have a captive audience. Now, I may not be able to train the entire world uh, that I have a physical web beacon uh, that I can interact with, but I can train the users of an app to say, well, if you want to know what's nearby, hit the nearby button in your app. You instantly scan for nearby physical web content. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also learned from that experience fairly quickly that, uh, you know, in many apps, you know, I'd call them an, an experiential app, not an experimental and experiential app. A lot of the content really comes from where you are. If you're going to zoos or ballparks, you know, you can provide all the content. Uh, so we did that as a pilot with a uh, uh, the Nashville Sound, a baseball stadium, and we, uh, you know, because we're taking an SDK and really putting a brand wrapper around it, uh, you know, from project sign off. Uh, to having a live app in the app store was three days. You know, from the time the ballpark gave us the go-ahead to go do it, we had a branded app uh, live in the app store. Uh, now, all the content, uh, and over a, a period of two days, we created 120 content elements that we deployed and associated with beacons in the stadium so that when people moved around the stadium, they saw different content. Uh, they understood you know, food and dining options, and through the dynamic management, uh, the uh, the sounds were able to keep content fresh throughout the uh, you know throughout the game. And uh, you know, as an experiment, we even changed content to beacons as each player came to bat. So you could look every time a player came to bat and see information, statistics, uh, etc., about the player.
hmm. uh, that came to pass. That took uh, some active management, but we experimented with a lot of the different things that uh, that, that you could do. And you know, now we're going to go back and, and, and do it again this year as the as the season's wrapping up, and uh, you know, learn from those experiences uh, last year. Uh, you know, but the bottom line is, if you're a zoo or a museum or a ballpark, you can produce an app. You know, we charge a thousand dollars, you know, to produce an app. You know, we can have it live for somebody uh, in, in a relatively short period of time, uh, and then they can create and manage all their content, you know, as physical web touch points. So, so. You're, for a thousand dollars, you kind of get the shell of the app, and the content is really web content that is being triggered by physical web beacons. Right, it comes from beacons uh, on the app store. Less than a week, thousand dollars. It's an app, and it's also physical web, so that people can browse right. with with Chrome browsers on the billion. Well, the, you know, the beauty of deploying your content, your app content, uh, you know, through a let me call it a physical web app, is your content. Also available to people who don't have your app instantly, right out of the box. People with Chrome can interact, uh, which creates an interesting opportunity. Uh, you know, if you really want to drive people to your app, you know, the Chrome content can say, you know, here's information. For better information, you know, engage with the same touch point through our app. So, you know, our platform has uh, what we call conditional content. Uh, we could have the same beacon uh, reflect different content to any number of different people based upon you know a, a, a lot of different variables. So we can show Chrome users different content than app users. We could have 10 apps that all reflected the same beacon and every app would see different content all in, in, independently managed. Uh, so that's one of the uh, key attributes of our platform is that uh, it's a content switch. If you have a physical web touch point, i.e. a beacon, it has a unique ID, and if you associate that ID with content in the cloud, that's what people will see uh, you know, when they're near that. So in combination with an app ID, you know, we can use those combinations to have you know, as many different derivatives of content as we want. And it's technically possible uh, in an app, if you tie in our platform to a personalization engine to have personalized uh, content. You know, with the physical web beacon, we know where the person is, we know what they're interested in, what what content. Uh, we know, obviously, the time. You know, when you add the app in, we also have who. Uh, so then we have, you know, a vast amount of contextual information. So the physical web is, uh, or at least when applied to apps, is uh, perfectly positioned for personalization uh, in proximity marketing. So you're ending the trade-off between web or app, because you can have both. Uh, and, and really, this is an incredible platform for agencies that are servicing small and medium-sized businesses, because the cost of entry is really low, and uh, people can get contextual experiences very, very easily. Um, I want to make sure that we don't finish this without talking about what's new. So that's right. something that I was aware of. What's, what's new? Well, you know, what's new is that uh, we've uh, realized that, you know, what is, uh, what is different about the physical web is that it allows, uh, it brings physical interactions into the world of search and browsers. So you browse physical web content. Uh, you don't interact. 
you browse, the consumer gets an opportunity to, to save privately. They then, uh, there's a proxy server in between them uh, in, in the destination content. So they get to see the metadata, they get to see the title, the description uh, of the content and say, yes, I want to interact. So they have a, there's an intermediate step. Uh, we realize that that same uh, intermediate step uh, can fundamentally change, if not revolutionize, other technologies that are also based on URLs. And there are many other technologies that are similarly based on URLs, like NFC tags and or, and or QR codes. Uh, and, you know, we did it as an experiment, uh, and we realized that when we brought QR codes onto our platform, a lot of people laugh, and, you know, Scott makes fun of the QR codes, uh, but it absolutely transformed uh, the, the experience. You know, so much so that uh, uh, we talked to a brand new uh, 200,000 square foot venue. They called us about a beacon solution, and we're talking about beacons. Uh, and we said to them, uh, you know, we want to discuss QR codes to you also. Uh, and they, you know, the response was, QR codes is dead to me, was their exact words. Uh, and we said, well, five minutes. We'll just show you how it works, and we've got a different spin on, on, on QR codes. Uh, and after 30 minutes, they said, we're ready for a uh, you know, full deployment system-wide, and we'd like it done in the next two weeks. Uh, so we're actively right now in the process of doing a uh, you know, major deployment of mixed Beacons and QR codes. So, you know, the nice thing about beacons and QR codes and or NFC tags is they're all physical touch points. They're all ways to allow a consumer to interact with a marketer. So right now, most iBeacon geofencing technology are all outbound technologies. You track people's movements, you push the messages. You only have one or two shots when somebody's in a venue to push them a message. Uh, but there's a thousand point... Uh, of interaction when you have a shopper or somebody in a museum when the, the consumer is standing there in front of something and they have a question, uh, they you know want to know more about a product, they want to know if there's a deal there, they want more information, they want to talk to somebody, and you can use a touch point, a physical web beacon, a QR code, an NFC tag as a touch point directly to the marketer or the organization in any of those instances. Uh, to allow the person to connect A to more information directly to a uh, chat page, uh, you know, directly to uh, product information, or in the world of a, you know, a museum or aquarium to find out you know, more information about you know, the, the display. So QR codes aren't the enemy. You're embracing them. You're embracing right. NFC tags, which basically is kind of a sticker which has a rule radio in it that allows you to tap and that sends a URL amongst other things, but it sends a URL that can trigger a, a page and experience on, on, on the so, phone. Yeah, you know, I interrupted you. I'm, I'm sorry there, but you know, I probably hadn't explained how the uh, how the QR experience is fundamentally. That's what I was asking. Yeah. Uh, today, if you take a QR code there and you scan it with one of the you know, 100 QR scanners that are yeah. out there, most QR codes have shortened URLs. Yeah. You see a shortened URL. It sort of vibrates and says, here's a shortened URL. Do you want to go there? Well, the consumer doesn't really know where that's going to go. So they select it. Normally it takes four or five seconds to click through and load all the content from the website. And then 70% of the time you decide, I didn't really want that content. 
So if you take that that unknown, that fear of what am I going to get, uh, then people don't use that product. Uh, also knowing that you have shared your location, your IP address with that underlying website, you've given them an opportunity to put a cookie on your phone, uh, and it's potentially malicious content out there. All those unknowns uh, create a level of uncertainty about QR codes that makes it an uncomfortable technology. Right. When you move it onto a physical web platform and it becomes browsable, you know I can take four QR codes, and in the time that it takes to see that shortened URL, I can move my phone across all four and see very rich data uh, about what's under uh, under that uh, you know what the destination is. You know, an example would be, you know, I could take four playing cards, put QR codes on the back of the cards and roll my phone across them and see an image of the card of all four of those cards flipped over. Oh, okay. Uh, that's an example of browsing. Uh, so browsing is a fast transaction because we're not downloading the websites. We're downloading metadata. We're downloading very small packages of okay. data. So the, the transaction is fast. Because a server sits between us and the website, it's private. I'm not exposing my... Uh, IP address to these destination websites through the browsing process uh, and through our management platform. Uh, you know, when done through an app, uh, we can protect people from going to malicious websites. You know, let's say a retailer says, you know, I want to have QR browsing within my store. You know, within that app, we say only our in-network approved content you know, okay. it's, it's viewed. We can keep people from going to any other content. QR code browser in this case is the retailer's app. So you're just kind of... It's the retailer's app. Okay. So we, through our SDK, through one SDK, you get, you know, all flavors of uh, URL-based touch points. So we okay. have a physical web button uh, if you want to scan wirelessly uh, to content that's in, you know, within 100 meters of you, you know, physical web beacon. You know, we have a QR button if you want to uh, scan visual touch points, like QR codes. Uh, and uh, NFC is tactile. You know, if you can tap it, a, uh, NFC tag to uh, interact with it. Have you had enough experience to get a sense of which of those channels people are using more? NFC, QR code, or physical web, when you've offered all three? You know, uh, We've just started pitching only under pilots, uh, you know, this in the, in the last couple of weeks, uh, and, and it's been extraordinary. You know, almost everybody uh, has said, you know, this is perfect. Uh, and it's not because that they're going to deploy beacons over QR codes. Uh, it's because that they say the combination of both of these gives me... Uh, the right kind of consumer experiences in, in my venue. Give me one more example of how uh, an application well, where you'd use all of these. Let's say you're in, you're, you're, you're in a museum. Yep. Uh, with physical web beacons, you know, I can have a beacon in a room, and let's say there are 30 pieces of art around the walls of this room. I can't go put a beacon on each of 30 pieces mm -hmm. of, of art. Uh, yes, I can triangulate you know, using eye beacons. 
But the fact that I'm standing in front of a piece of art doesn't necessarily mean that I want much information about that. You know, the physical web is, is inbound. It lets the customer tell you mm. uh, what they want. So I can have content that is relevant to the room at large on beacons, but I can put a QR code on, on you know, every individual page and have people walk by. And I can have another set maybe on a rail that sits behind, you know, uh, farther back so people back there can also interact with yeah. with with direct paintings. Uh, and you can have multiple audiences within the app. So when you take conditional content, you know, I can say I'm a kid in the app and I can see, you know, kid-appropriate content hmm. uh, from all those QR codes or beacons, you know, while a patron may see you know, an entirely different set of content, or you could even set it up where it's question and answer. You know, the kid sees a question and the parent sees an answer, or vice versa. You know, you can really have, you know, interactive kind of experiences. So uh, the precision offered by QR code, yes, they're both URL technologies, but they're completely different in the type of experiences that they uh, that, that they offer. Uh, in the combination of uh, visual wireless and tactile in the same SDK gives an app uh, the flexibility, gives a marketer the flexibility with uh, to interact with customers uh, or consumers the way that consumers that best fit the application. So, you know, I see a mixture of all these technologies uh, in, in many different deployments. Love it. Yeah, I think... Um it's fruitless arguing whether a hammer versus a chisel versus a saw is, is better. It's a matter of when you use the right tool, and very often you need to use all of them together. Yes. Um, so, all right, Richard. Is there anything else that anything else that we need to cover before we sign off? We've covered a lot. You know, the one thing that I, I would cover is we're close to the iBeacon space. We have iBeacon deployments, and some people see these two technologies as competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're not at all. Uh, you know, it's like a car. You need forward and you need reverse. You know, iBeacon is a uh, outbound technology primarily designed to push messages at, at, at opportune times where the physical web is uh, an inbound technology uh, designed to let people interact when they want to contact uh, the marketer. You know, having these both in the same app uh, just, com you know, it, it's two different use cases. So I don't see the two as competitive at all, and I see them as, as entirely complementary. So if somebody has an iBeacon uh, deployment, doesn't mean at all that they can have a, a, a physical web deployment. That's brilliant. Richard, thanks very much. It's been a fascinating conversation. And uh, thanks very much for everyone, if you've been listening. Um, please continue and do subscribe to us on our website, uh, hhgb.us, and on YouTube or Facebook. Um, if you have been, thanks for listening. Thank you, Steve. Perfect. Ran out of memory. Good. So we're in Nashville, and you, you were saying that part of the reason you live here is because of the music, and obviously we have this tradition of asking people who are on the podcast what are the three tracks they would take to Mars. Um, what, what what would you take? Yeah, you know, that, that that's a tough question, but I'll you know I'll give it a shot right quick. You know, I would take uh, Adele, uh, Rolling in the Deep, just because uh, you know, I like the 
power of her voice and you know the pleasure you know, that I derive from listening to it. Uh, knowing that Mars is uh, someplace that you got a world of time with nothing to do but think, I'd probably take uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, where the constant music is secondary to just getting lost in in, in your own thoughts. Yeah, uh, and you know, I'd probably take uh, the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil. Uh, probably because that reminds me of college more than any other song, and there's a lot of good memories associated with it. Oh, it's just an amazing song. It's one of my favorites. And Adele is one of my favorites. Have, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw her here in Nashville uh, four or five months ago, maybe less than that, not too long ago. Uh, uh, she played it. She's so authentic, isn't she? And just uh, and that just voice is incredible. And, you know, she's one of the singers that really engages the crowd. Has a nice dialogue uh, yeah. with the audience while she's there. So it was, it was a fabulous show. You know, my wife and I uh, you know, had a had a fabulous time there. Cool. Um, and before we kind of get into the interview as a whole, I'd be interested to hear just a little bit about how you um, got into running Beacon. And so, so you've you're kind of a serial entrepreneur, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I've been through uh, many startups. Uh, you know, I. A decade off, uh, and was energized to start something out. Uh, you know, I, I took time off when I had my son. I really wanted to spend time with uh, my son, and uh, then I realized that you know he's only going to understand uh, how hard it is to start a company and how much focus one has to have if they uh, you know see it through osmosis, really learn it through osmosis. So you know, part of the motivation was just to you know, teach my son. The, the process and how much hard work it takes, and part of it was just that I was motivated to uh, you know, to start something again. So, and how old is your son? You know, right now he's uh, 15. All right. A freshman in high school. Yeah. My son's 17, and it's had... I, I didn't do it deliberately, but uh, I've, uh, as well as doing the speaking thing, I've started up my own company, uh, Give the Change, and uh, so it's had that effect that you described. Uh, the, the osmosis is working. Right. It's like I can't get him to like focus on doing a job working for the man. He wants to start his own company. Well, then good for him. I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 